It's the big one. It's the one that you all were waiting for. Uh, the wall. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ooh. Um, and uh, we uh we got a special guest. Uh, once again, another special guest to uh, join us on this journey and. Uh, a new and something new for this podcast. Someone who has zero experience with the nostalgia critic. It's uh Cameron from Podcast About List. Hey, what, Cameron. What's up? Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to learn about this evil man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Um. So, uh, in in the nostalgia critic world, uh, since we last checked in, about five years have passed. Um, since the Uncanny Valley. Uh, a whole lot has gone down. Um. Basically, the entire, uh, basically everyone who worked on his site, um, Channel Awesome, uh, formerly that guy with the glasses.com, <laughs> has left amidst a host of allegations and scandal. Um, and now he and his buddy Brad are on their own <laughs> on this site. And um, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, they decided to put together this uh, big mammoth project a, a big uh musical parody of um the wall uh the pink floyd movie that's uh partially a partially a review of it and partially just it's like its own like musical for its own st- sake starring fucking a uh, cory taylor of slipknot uh that 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 throws me and that's kind of why i invited uh cameron on since cameron you're a big slipknot fan yeah so. I, I think i can shed some light on that for you definitely <laughs> what, what, what was what was it like seeing uh him in this review i mean it's like if it probably feels like what like when you're walking you get called because your kid got sent to the principal's office and you walk and you just see him <laughs> sitting there and you're like fuck come on man you can do better than this he yeah. uh yeah I mean, so the thing about him, right, is that he uh, had, like, a super fucked up childhood, and that's, like, and he, like, like you know, he was overdosing and getting thrown in dumpsters and, like, raised by his grandma and homeless and stuff, and so he made all this, like, crazy, angry, uh, white trash music that's, like, nuts and really good, and then somehow, as he got older, like, I don't know if he always had this inside him, and it just kind of, like, blossomed, or if he, you know had some kind of like some curse put on him but he just like somehow gradually transitioned into this guy who only wears fedoras and like wu-tang t-shirts and like is super (laughs) into star wars like it's so bizarre um he to give you some like like another good example of context of like the kind of guy he is now is that i watched his like um you know those like amoeba records like what's in my bag type things yeah 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 so he did one of those and he did not he didn't really put much music in his bag he he bought like a wu-tang shirt and like like just a bunch of like memorabilia and stuff which is like i think one of the funniest things you could do on a what's in my bag so yeah he he turned into a freak and i was very disappointed to see him in this but i i have to say i was also not that surprised yeah Oh man, his that, son that... is also in it. We should say, which I think is maybe enlightening as to the reason why he's here. Because if you, uh, I don't know if either of you watched the um, behind the scenes like uh, clip reel that's also on the on their YouTube channel. But it is oh. a lot of Corey Taylor's son telling this like extended and extremely boring story about how he got bit by a squirrel, and he just comes across <laughs> as the most like. He comes across as a Doug fan, basically. That that's his personality type, <laughs> and it's just like oh, I instantly get why Corey Taylor is here because his son is probably a huge nostalgia critic fan, and was like, "Dad, yeah. we got to do this. We got to collaborate with this guy." His son is is kind of like his son also started a band that sounds just kind of like Slipknot, like recently with like the son of the other <laughs> uh, like the other band leader of Slipknot. So that <laughs> that gives you a sense of like. The type of the, yeah, he's fo- he's following in his dad's footsteps for sure in more ways than one, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm so I we 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 need to make sure that like David Burns kids never learn what the nostalgia critic is. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I saw him in like a in a fucking nostalgia critic review, I would probably like throw away all of my records. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like stop being into music, but um. Uh, the wall. Okay, so this is sort of a strange one because it's not the type of movie Doug usually reviews. Like even 
even in like the post revival era where he stopped being like the nostalgia critic and just reviews like new releases now the wall is kind of a weird one since uh the three of us all watched it for this and it's this very abstract avant-garde uh musical film it, it i have no idea how it was even made because it's it has like no conventional plot it has very little conventional dialogue and it's literally just like cool imagery set to a pink floyd album and it got released in theaters and it had like an actual budget and everything and uh it's not it's not really the type of movie that doug usually does a review on um but i I guess since we did this this for the moulin rouge episode what do we think of the movie itself uh i'll let cameron go first since he's the guest um i mean i i liked it so here's the other thing is that in addition to not knowing anything about the nostalgia critic i don't i have never listened to pink floyd really besides you know the one Hmm. the the few big songs that like come on sometimes i've never sat down and listened to an album um and you know i uh, good band i have to say i would listen to that album i think um the imagery is very cool the animation i thought was incredible that was like what if it didn't if the movie didn't have the animation i wouldn't have cared about it i don't think but um yeah just fantastic animation but beyond that yeah as somebody who doesn't really know anything about pink floyd i kind of found it hard to care about like you know the story i mean insofar as there is a story but yeah you know what i mean Mm. i um I myself, a uh, huge teenage Pink Floyd fan. Um, uh, you know, listening to Dark Side of the Moon was a big, like, fourteen-year-old uh, experiences. Like, whoa, you can make music that sounds like this. Um, uh, you know, Esther and I, I think we both had similar, like, teenage dad rock phases. Oh yes. So um, I, it was forced upon me because I, when I got my first iPod, the only music I accessed to was like my dad's old CDs. So it's just all yeah. all I listened to was fucking like the Who and grateful dead when i was in like sixth grade is deeply embarrassing uh, but this album yeah. specifically i listened to like a lot like i listened to the wall a yeah. lot i could when i was watching this i found i could still i just still knew all the lyrics to every song um when i was watching it i i was like yeah i would probably feel like i'm probably not gonna like the music as much as i used to and like i kind of don't but like then the happiest days of our lives came on and i just sort of entered like an an avatar state and was just like (laughs) just like getting so fucking hyped up hearing those like drum fills in the build-up to another brick in the wall um yeah i was a very big teenage pink floyd fan i never saw the movie but I had heard the album at least once in the background. A friend of mine, they, like, brought the CD over to, like, an overnight party that we had in middle school, and he just put it in, and he, like, sang along to the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but, uh, it, it, yeah, that, that's, my, that's my experience with Pink Floyd. So it, it definitely helped my experience with the movie to have some, like, fondness for the music and i i'm in general like kind of a fan of the concept of like what if we take an album and we make a film that is just that album but given like imagery and stuff like i i i kind of enjoy parts of like the uh equivalent thing for daft punk the interstellar 5555 movie and i i just like you know concert movies yeah. and music movies in general it's... so absolutely it's like a super cool concept but i think what is weird is that it was like a movie like it's treated like a movie instead of like a you know a long music video or like an art project you know what i mean i think that's that's where this this like kind of feels very strange to me it's like i can't imagine sitting in a movie theater and watching this like i don't know it's yeah it's a weird thing because like the the album is you know it's a concept album it has a story it is like very much the wall is almost like it is it is closer to musical theater i think than honestly a lot of even other like pink floyd stuff or like the sort of prog rock or whatever um just, yeah. you know they did, it has a very explicit narrative and the songs are definitely structured around like the big emotional beats of this story especially once you get to the trial which is just a fucking musical theater number um but it's funny because this is yeah the movie adaptation does not take the step you would expect of like all right so like here's the narrative that goes along with this music and this is you know we'll have like characters and dialogue that sort of fill in the gaps between these songs where on an album you can just sort of listen to it and sort of get sort of the vague feeling of like this is the story i'm being taken along they just do like a bunch of 
very vague and abstract visuals to go along with it. Um, which I think is cool. Like, it, you know, a lot of it is very much like, especially in the animation, the animation looks very cool, but a lot of the imagery is very like Banksy core. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the, uh, the British flag has fallen apart and it's a cross and it's covered in blood. It's like, okay. It's like, <laughs> fine. Yeah. It, it's okay. I get it. Um, but it looks yeah. cool, I guess. Like, you know, it's yeah. a, it, the movie's fine. I think it's, I think it's fine. Yeah, it's got a lot of striking visuals. Um, it, it is it is like really really like well filmed and well made. Um, and there's a lot of like pretty terrific sequences in it. Um, it, it's not a surprise that like a lot of the the best sequences in the movie are like to the better songs on the album, like the comfortably numb sequence or the another brick in the wall part two sequence where the kids are like being fed into like the uh food machine basically. But um. Yeah, I, I I think we're all in agreement that the movie's like pretty good. It's it's solid. Um uh, but uh we are not here to talk about the wall of the movie. We are here to talk about Doug Walker's The Wall, the movie the review. <laughs> and uh oh, wow. Um okay, so I, I talked to Cameron a little bit about this um before <laughs> before we um recorded, and I, I told him to his horror that I think that the Doug Walker the wall is like it's in the like in terms of painfulness it's like at the lower end of the scale of things we've had to talk about on here on yeah stage. yeah I still can't believe that that blows my mind <laughs> <laughs> well it's like I think it's largely because yeah. this is definitely the thing we've watched so far that has the most effort put into it like by a yes long shot it's clear they were trying very hard on every aspect of yes this. Yeah, and it has like an actual composer like arranging the song parodies and uh there's like the the CGI that they use like the 3D animation is actually pretty impressive <laughs> yeah. and like it, it... <laughs> I, yeah, we'll get to that, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a it, 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 it like I I can't emphasize enough how incompetent everything he made was until like a year ago. <laughs> like he did not know where to put the camera or how to film like anything. So if you watch like the movies from 2012, like every single shot is like the lighting is blown out and the sound sounds like it was recorded in like a shed somewhere. <laughs> so seeing something with like actual effort and time put into it is, is kind of astonishing for Doug, but um. Uh, yeah, Cameron. Cameron has no experience with the nostalgia critics, so just give us your unfiltered uh, thoughts on him and uh, your first experience with him. I mean, he's like he's kind of like an automatopoeia of a person, in that you could look at him and know exactly like what he's about and what his deal <laughs> is. I feel like, like you know, that hat, that yeah. facial hair, those eyes. Um, it's yeah. And I was saying before, like it. Uh, to you before we recorded it it i had no clue that this review was so recent um because i you know i'd heard about I've, I've heard a lot about him online people love to talk about him and I, you know i was just like oh this is a guy who's not active anymore this guy was probably like around in the 2000s and 2010s and there's no way he's still making videos but this is from what like two years ago that's like yeah. that uh, that blew my mind to see that like i was like i was he's a guy yeah he's definitely is a guy that seems like he would not be around <laughs> anymore um yeah and I, i'm very like, curious to know like his lore like what his deal is <laughs> beyond just like kubrick staring half of the time and soy facing the other half <laughs> he almost like went uh, yeah. underground because like you said spencer it's been five years since the last thing we talked about and he just kept plugging away at nostalgia critic videos the entire time like he never stopped yeah. but he definitely i think fell off the radar of in terms of being like a presence on the internet after to boldly yeah. flee um after that and like the demo reel thing i think people just stopped paying attention to him and then you know the the, yeah. the channel awesome like the controversy stuff started coming out and the allegations and everything but as far as the, his like actual work this was the thing that sort of reignited i don't know Interest is is not the right word because I think it implies a, a positive attention, but it really morbid curiosity. People, it got people's eyes back on him in a very significant way. There are so many fucking YouTube videos. If you search "nostalgia critic the wall," you get the you know the review, and then a ton of like video essays about it. 
um, which is bizarre to me. I mean, I say it as doing a Nostalgia Critic podcast, but like, can't, <laughs> you can't possibly need that many like twenty minute videos breaking this breaking this thing down. Like, yeah, I, I almost yeah. watched the wrong video because the top result is a video essay that's like the same length, and it, was, it confused me a lot at first. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I um. Yeah, he he definitely he kind of disappeared for a while. I, Esther, we talked about like um, after the revival. So uh, Cameron, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too much into the lore. Like I'm gonna give you the Cliff's notes just so we're not repeating ourselves for the audience. Mm-hmm. But like, very big figure in the early 2010s online. This huge juggernaut um, tried to retire the Nostalgia Critic um, to do his own passion project. The passion project bombed spectacularly. So he was kind of forced back into doing the Nostalgia Critic, but that didn't work out too well either. He still makes money off of it, and it's still what he does, but interest died down, and he stopped being, like, this very culturally relevant figure um, after that. And, um, yeah, this this was his big return to uh, the spotlight. Um, I know you both are Shyamalan fans, so uh, mm-hmm. The Wall was his split in many ways. <laughs> um, well... <laughs> oh god i love i love, I love ruining movies. your life Esther. <laughs> um that's the yeah the oh thing about boy. him making money too i watched this on i opened an incognito window to watch this because i did not want this influencing my youtube recommendations <laughs> and i it was making me watch an ad maybe every like three minutes in like a 50 minute <laughs> video it was like a hellish it was so horrible and then there were ads like as part of it too it was yeah he must i mean and that that video had like a, a ton of views too he must have been raking it in on that one from hate watches <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, So the video itself, uh, I guess there's a few cursory things to go over. Um, For starters, uh, Rachel, Rachel, who was part of the Doug Walker, um, uh, essential Doug Walker crew, you know, he, like many great filmmakers, you know, uh, John Cassavetes, David Lynch, he has like a roster of um, cast members that he uses for everything. And... um, (laughs) on uh one of them was this uh uh woman who joined the uh joined the cast in like a big casting call her name was rachel and after about like a year or so i might be getting the time frame wrong she left and they replaced her with this woman named uh tamara tamara i don't know how to uh I don't know how to uh, pronounce her name, and I'm not looking it up. <laughs> um, but they, they, yeah, she is there. So she, she, we can't really get too much into her since she doesn't do much. I remember her being like more hyperactive than Rachel was. Do you have any memories of her roles in Doug, uh, Doug reviews, Esther? I have no idea. I think you know she fills the same role that Rachel did. She is the girl in the same way that Ma- yeah. Malcolm is the black guy. Um, <laughs> Yeah. They are very much just like uh, uh, sort of people who are just there to fill whatever role Doug needs them to in the sketch. That is, uh, yeah. whatever sketches are going to be relevant. They're barely in this. Like, they're not relevant to yeah. the wall at all. They're just background characters when they show up. Um, I yeah. gotta say, like, Malcolm especially, Rachel obviously, I don't even know if it was a year before she left, but Malcolm has been there. Since demo reel, yeah, he has been, but he is Doug's right hand man in a lot of ways, and yeah, it is so strange to think about like what their relationship must be like, considering like <laughs> the material that we've seen Doug give him first of all, but also like yeah. the idea. I mean, you know, we've talked about what it takes for a guy like Brad to stand by Doug through all the, you know, change the channel shit, and. After a while, I think the impression you just have to get is they they just like each other. They're just friends. Um, yeah. And to the to the point that like it's not like a career move for him to stay by the site. Like they they just like each other. But I don't. Yeah. I don't get what Malcolm is getting out of this. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not like it's not like something that's like oh this will be useful for my career down the line <laughs> no. because like th- th- this this is just like. You're not getting like any rise in profile out of this, you know. It, it's such a exhaustive and demanding role since you're basically making a movie every two weeks. Um, I, I can't see it like leading to any other things. I guess, 
I guess it's just for the paycheck. I don't know, but that yeah, that feels like it, it feels like the content creator version of a dead end job. Um, for Cameron and the audience, uh, I'll elaborate a little bit more on what the change the channel thing is. We've talked about it before in a couple of other episodes, but Doug used to be like the head of this giant network of like YouTube people with names like Bennett the Sage and Jew Wario, and um. <laughs> As t- yeah, Jew Wario is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's like a that's a that's the that sounds like the display name of a guy on Twitter who would be threatening to kill me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Not not a wholesome um, not a wholesome core uh guy that got canceled for grooming, but he uh as the the site was so terribly managed and it was like you know there was all this horrible treatment of everyone that worked there there was like exploitation a lot of the uh administrators were like basically just screwed out of like good contracts and stuff uh people started to leave from the site more and more until uh finally in like 2019 uh, a bunch of people who used to work there like all were like talking about the their experience working there on twitter and how bad it was and eventually they all just decided to compile all the stories into a big google doc and just kind of um you know list all of the grievances that they've had through the site it is a like 72 page compilation of horror stories um it is (laughs) it is astonishingly long and detailed and there are so many just like insane fucking stories on there like how one of their movies like their 90 minute movie was shot sequentially for literally no reason other than sheer incompetence um yeah and duh uh, what else are you gonna do (laughs) do it out of order it won't make sense (laughs) (laughs) um I, i really can't even begin to list like all of the fucking stories like there was this one creator that worked there, like one of the administrators just developed a grudge against him, so he just decided to isolate him from the rest of <laughs> isolate him from the rest of the site for like five years for literally no reason other than he didn't like him very much. Um it, it's it's frankly like kind of insane. And when the document came out, um about like I would estimate about like fifty to sixty percent of the people who were on the site during its quote unquote golden age were still there. Just like they just weren't like actively part of the community anymore. But when the document came out, pretty much every single person except for two people uh just cut ties and said, uh, I've pleased for my time working at Channel Awesome, but I think it is time to move on to greener pastures or something like that. Good for them. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh uh that that uh this comes after that. So Doug is reduced to his inner stable of actors plus uh, the cinema snob, Brad Jones. He is, uh, he is one of the old guard of the website who stayed on despite the allegations. And um, yeah, now, now we're down to this video. Um, so uh, th- this video is strange because I-, I walked in expecting for it for it to mostly be like Doug's terrible criticisms of the movie. And that's the first half of it. Like, Doug and, uh, he does, like, musical parodies of the songs from the album. Like, he, uh, he sings about, over the, like, to the tune of Another Brick in the Wall Part 2, he sings about, um, like, how the movie is so angsty for, uh, for, like, comparing, like, World War II to school being bad <laughs> and the stuff, which, that that is the part that really pissed me off yeah. because, like... That that's the part that made me mad because okay for starters Doug like a movie can be about two bad things at once like it, it it's it it doesn't have to like draw comparisons between like World War Two and uh school being bad like those two things being in the movie together doesn't mean it's equating them it just means these are both bad things yeah. that happen to people uh, it's also like like that is the only time that he acknowledges that he knows that world war two existed. Like if you'd watched any other part of this video, you would have thought that like he watched this, not knowing what war was. And that's why his like criticisms are the way that they are. You know what I mean? Like he just misses the point so completely. And then he's like, Oh no, I saw the point. Like I just chose to miss it. And it's like, God, Oh, yeah. Th- that was a great example of like the way that Doug fails to understand the point of one of the least subtle movies maybe ever made one of the easiest to understand and and for to to grasp its themes like 
this is a movie about number one, how Roger Waters is really sad that his dad died in World War II. And number two, about how it's fucked up that after World War II, like the British government got super fascist. Like that's all that it's about. And this is a great example of like, wow, it's like when he's talking about how it's fucked up. They're like equating the British education system with the Holocaust. It's like, yeah, it's almost like they're making (laughs) in the entire movie a direct comparison between how people act in Britain and the Nazis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it's also, it really pissed me off too, because like the, they, they treated like the the school being bad stuff as like angsty teenager stuff like yeah. oh teacher's giving me homework or whatever <laughs> but like they made the teacher dracula too it was <laughs> it was beyond that it was like i hate homework and also i'm afraid of my teacher like so yeah compl- just like <laughs> cosmically missing the point well it's it's also just like the 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 education system in britain around that time like post world war 2 until like five years ago was like notoriously punitive and awful like it it was like it it was like famous for basically just over disciplining and basically just traumatizing kids like left and right and it's it's not angsty to complain that your school was just run by insane people that beat the shit out of you all the time (laughs) yeah it's it also he also even manages to shoehorn in the the complaint of like they didn't teach me taxes or (laughs) Or how to cook, <laughs> or how to like build a house, which is like yeah, yeah. How do you how do you make fun of somebody for quote unquote whining about school, and then still manage to find a way to like complain that you can't do your taxes? Yeah, it's like oh oh, you were like beaten and isolated in the school system. It's like straight out of <laughs> Oliver Twist. Well, here's my pain. Uh, I I uh, I wasn't I didn't learn how to uh, bake in my yeah. gifted kid class. Yeah, I had to learn good study skills. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We learned uh, we learned algebra and statistics instead of important things like um, taxes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Um, other than that, uh, the, the first half of this, it's like completely inscrutable complaints about the movie. Like, he calls it uh, Oscar bait. Um, that at was some the... point, which he that... calls a song Oscar bait. <laughs> he doesn't yeah. even call the movie yeah. Oscar the, bait. The whole uh, Goodbye Blue Sky sequence is all about. It is very classic Doug in the way that it's complaint. The only way that he can conceive of a movie that isn't like punishingly literal about everything he wants to say is that it's being pretentious. <laughs> That's the only yeah. way that he can like understand art is if it's like is if he gets it or if it's being pretentious. And it's so funny that he calls. <laughs> that sequence oscar bait what it's just like again just like banksy cartoons of like british soldiers turning into zombies and like beating each other's heads in with clubs <laughs> yeah <laughs> i when i think of oscar bait i think of uh animated sequences of flowers turning into vaginas yeah. and eating each other yeah. and turning into, then to... they fuck and they turn into a dragon <laughs> like, i was so bad. surprised that he did not have like some smarmy joke about the flowers fucking i was so prepared for some <laughs> like like crazy reddit guy joke like and there was nothing i mean that must have taken incredible restraint to not <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah to stop YouTube yeah. from like demonetizing his video or something because he he showed a, a flower <laughs> that penis. That was probably or something. the only reason he he left it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I know yeah, he, I wonder, he was I... drooling when he saw that <laughs> sequence in the movie. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if he had some like banger jokes about not being able to find the flower clitoris or something. And yeah, it's just he couldn't yeah. do it because of the YouTube <laughs> algorithm. <laughs> yeah, no, they'll make me put ads every four minutes instead of three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't advertise coupon sites on my uh, video for uh, introverted teenagers because I made jokes about uh, flower vaginas having sex. Uh God, so. What else? Uh, it, it's very odd. It, it um, the first half is very just like you know, it's like sort of a standard dog review, but sung through. It's like the Moulin Rouge one. Um, uh, the only the only difference is that uh, this is about a movie that I actually kind of like, so it's more irritating. Um, but there is more effort put in, so it's also a little less irritating. Um, yeah. We'll get to the s- second half and the ad break in the second, but is there any uh, any more thoughts on this section of the uh, video that you all want to talk about? 
Yeah, I mean, something that jumped out to me a ton that, you know, kind of helps me, I feel like, understand who he is a little bit is just the stuff that he chooses to make fun of, too. Like, there, I mean, it's a good movie. There's a lot of really cool striking imagery. There is so much that is so obvious to make fun of. Like, uh, the fact that, you know, there's no, he doesn't have a single joke about the teacher getting spanked. He doesn't have anything about about uh, the guy like shaving his entire body. Like these are all just like like obvious. You know, I mean, someone like me with a comedy brain. Um, you know, yeah. you look at something like that, and you're like, oh yeah, you make it. You make <laughs> a joke there. Emerson College comedy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but like seriously, like how yeah. do you, like how do you just not like how do how do you look at that whole school sequence and be like, I think the joke I'll make is that the teacher's a vampire who lives in a castle. <laughs> Like what? Just a complete <laughs> lack of instinct. It, it's just so bizarre. Yeah. No, absolutely. He. Uh, there, there is like a lot of imagery in the movie too that is like that does feel like kind of self indulgent or whatever. And he just like, he, he, he doesn't really know how to make fun of it. Like he, he spends like maybe, like. 30 seconds on the part where he brings like the uh, groupie back to the room and then just like starts throwing the TV around and everything. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 there, there is like stuff in this movie that you can make fun of. It's just Absolutely. like, absolutely. I think I honestly <laughs> think that a lot of his points are like a little bit salient of like, yeah, it's a super angsty movie and like, it's a little bit lame, yeah. but like the way that he chooses to express it is just so completely infuriating that <laughs> I just, <laughs> Like I, I, you know, full, honestly, when I was watching the movie and that school sequence came on, I was on, I was honestly a little bit like, oh yeah, school. <laughs> and then I saw Doug do that, and I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> I, I don't think that anymore. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I love about the review uh. and that I think is part of the reason why it got this reputation is that if you haven't seen The Wall, it's incomprehensible. Like, <laughs> it is so patterned after, like, the structure of this movie, which is, like, this, you know, surreal fever dream. It's nonlinear. It, you know, goes back and forth in time and stuff. Like, if you haven't seen The Wall, there's no way for you to understand why he's showing what he's showing or like what the structure of yeah. this is supposed to be it's impossible the, the back half which we're going to talk about like even having seen the wall is incomprehensible <laughs> i had no fucking clue what was happening <laughs> um uh, that just remind me esther i'd love to see him do the same treatment for the tree of life yeah. <laughs> where he does like a review in the style of like a Malik film and just like the cameras wandering around everywhere. It's just Doug and his crew just like waxing poetic about the nature of like the tree of life, calling it like a bad movie and just like a <laughs> affected Southern draw over shots of like sunsets. I want to see that because there's, there's like a, a Malik joke in this where there's a bit, I think it's in the comfortably numb parody where he's doing a bit about like again just like pretentious uh imagery and it's just shots of him running his hand through a field of wheat. <laughs> yeah. Like I want him I want him to watch the tree of life. I want to see his take on the tree of life. He he did a video on the tree of life. He did one on the oh, tree of life. Oh, he did already? Life. He made a video. Yeah, he <gasps> did one called Is the Tree of Life Full of Shit? <laughs> I love I I love his his Labrador retriever brain so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, oh my god, yeah, that would be so great. And this is like this is really inscrutable. Like even if you've seen the wall and if you haven't seen the wall, it it'll feel it'll feel like a project monarch cartoon they used to brainwash kids into blowing <laughs> stuff up. <laughs> but um uh, before we get to the second half, there's like an extended ad break in the middle of it, and it is the longest ad break you will ever see in anything. Um, it's for like a, it's like for a coupon website that seems kind of useful actually, but that's besides the point. And he he just does this like extended skit about the uh, coupon website, and he he uh, says like, for example, if you want to buy Alita Battle Angel, which I love. Um, you know, Esther, you're a big fan of that movie, Listen, so we don't you, have you to probably. Talk about this part. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very cool movie. I think that's a cool movie. I love I Alita no Battle Angel. That. I don't, I don't love that I'm now associated with an opinion <laughs> held by Doug Walker. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, um, you you know you love it because Doug recommended it to you. You <laughs> checked it out and you agreed with everything he said. Doug was one of the first people to uh, give the trans reading to the movie, oh and you uh, copied him word for word <laughs> in your letterbox review. Listen, I don't need his lawyers <laughs> coming after me. You can't talk about this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love to see uh, Doug doing a uh, trans reading of Alita. I think manifesting this in my mind's eye is. <laughs> It's yeah. lovely but <laughs> anyways um uh yeah it, it's it's just so fucking long it does it is the source of like the really famous um gif of doug at the <laughs> yeah. computer just, yeah like, yeah I, at it. my my eyes went wide when i saw it i, I said that's <laughs> the one there it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and uh yeah it is it is it lasts a small eternity and uh, it is also followed by another ad for doug <laughs> <laughs> Doug released the uh, soundtrack to this review on iTunes. Yeah, this one, this it. one broke me. This, this, <laughs> this is what did it for me. You can listen to the album on iTunes, and I think what also gave this, uh, this video such a huge bump is that Anthony Fantano, um, uh, which it's kind of a perfect little comparison of like the evolution of internet figures is like. The perfect figure for the early 2010s internet is Doug, and the perfect figure for the late 2010s internet is Anthony Fantano. Mm-hmm. And Fantano um, gave the album a not good review, and he just spent like eight minutes calling it shitty and annoying and said that the music is terrible and Doug's singing voice is terrible, and you know he just made fun of it. And that video blew up, and thus uh, Doug's video got a lot of hate watches, and he later... Uh, called it the, I think the third worst album of the decade or something. Third or second, I can't remember. Fantano's um, video has more views than the actual, like, Doug video, which is really, yeah. again, it's very much the circle coming complete because you used to watch Doug videos uh, so that you didn't have to watch the movie that he was talking about. And now you watch Fantano reviews so that you don't have to listen to the album he's talking about. <laughs> so it really is yeah. just the circle of life. Yeah, I can't. I wonder if Fantano will ever have his uh his to boldly flee moment. It looked like he was gonna back in um back in like 2014 when he was going on a bunch of YouTube channels by guys named like the Beast of the Hunt. Yeah, and, um... <laughs> I do remember that when he said that he said that SJW should drink bleach. There was a clip of him saying that, which I thought yeah. that made me laugh. He's like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> what? Yeah, he in 2014, Anthony Fantano loved going on um going on youtube channels of guys with beards and sword collections and talking about how like sjw's are ruining metal music and then like one person wrote an article saying like hey it's a little weird that the guy who's like the most popular reviewer on the internet is like this dude who talks about how feminists are uh ruining death grips and then he freaked the fuck out and then delete like deleted his other channel and now yeah. like his whole thing is getting on twitter and being like low-key the new olivia rodrigo album <laughs> is the most intersectional af thing i've ever yeah, heard with like a, an attached picture of a wojack that he drew of himself <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's weird yeah. always you see anthony fantano and like ted cruz's replies now posting epic memes yeah. it's so weird the turn yeah. he's taken yeah it's a uh, it's a uh, kind of wish you would go back to being Sargon <laughs> the cat's best but <laughs> that's a more interesting type of person than uh the guy who tells uh dan crenshaw that he's a corn cob binge or something <laughs> yeah uh, i mean the also but, ba- i mean back to the album ad thing the thing that really broke me about this is that first of all that he that it has songs on it that aren't in the video um that's the first thing that i was like oh no and then the second thing about it is that he had the nerve he called it a love letter to pink floyd (laughs) when the entire review is about how how lame he thinks this album is (laughs) yeah that that fucking threw me off and it's also it also threw me off like you know he got like an actual composer to like rearrange the songs and then like if he got that, why didn't he just get like a singer to sing the songs and then yeah. Doug could just lip sync them? Like, because Doug is pushing the limits of his voice here uh, mm-hmm. pretty hard. Um, uh, yeah, we've talked about how Doug like, thinks he can sing many, many times. And we've talked about how him and his brother 
or like literally classically trained by their mother who was like a professional opera singer or something um <laughs> yeah Wait, really yeah no really yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! Having the path ahead of you to either go into opera or YouTube, <laughs> choose YouTube. Man, yeah. <laughs> it's so it's so fucking um, it's so fucking funny. And um, yeah, he he he. When you start hearing him sing uh in the flesh at the beginning, it's like, Oof. yeah. It's going to be 40 minutes of this. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough because he's doing an imitation of the Bob Geldof. I think that is Bob Geldof doing those bits because um, he's playing the main character of the movie, but it's all just the original recordings yeah. pretty much of Roger Waters singing. But it's Bob Geldof has yeah. this very like uh, uh, weird kind of a nasally voice. Not a, He doesn't have a bad voice, yeah. but he's and he's playing it up in these scenes. So his voice in these sequences sounds very strange and Doug is doing a parody of that so it's like one step further beyond and it sounds it's unlistenable like immediately the first thing you hear is unlistenable yeah yeah um and it's I think I still think I prefer him like doing a Roger Waters impression to like the operatic stuff um, that you heard, like him, like trying to do like a deep epic voice in uh, the Moulin Rouge review and to boldly flee. Like there, there's a, there's an extended like Bonnie Tyler esque uh, musical number in <laughs> to boldly flee, and it's so fucking funny because like the other two people who sing it with him like can actually sing pretty well, and then he just hops on and it it sounds like shit. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> it's worse than this. It is so much worse than this. I think they probably used some like pitch correction on this, <laughs> but they did not in back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, he he advertises the album. Uh, I I'd love to meet a guy who loves the Doug Walker uh, parody <laughs> of the album too. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to yeah. meet that guy. <laughs> they yeah, took I it off uh, Bandcamp, which I think is really funny. Like the composer they got on, who's also in the review put it up on his band camp and then took it down <laughs> shortly thereafter. <laughs> um, but I think it is still on, uh, on iTunes if, uh, yeah. If, so it's not lost to history. Yeah. I, I think the, uh, I think the band, I think it might be because band camps pretty strict with, uh, yeah, pretty strict with like copyright stuff. Um, and like, uh, not, you know, not, not basically getting sued by record companies or whatever. Um, so I guess it might've just slipped under the radar with iTunes or something. I don't know, but, um, yeah. And then begins the second half of the review. And I gotta say, I did not expect this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's literally just a reenactment of like the trial section of the wall where, um, pink, the character from the wall is like, going insane and turning into a fascist dictator and putting himself on trial in his mind. And, um, it, it, uh, the, the way they do it is they just like have like a bunch of like spore character looking demons talk to talk. Oh my God. I mean, and the one, the first one that shows up has that fucking accent. I think it's an Australian accent. Just like the, (laughs) The most horrible accent to listen to and with the most horrible creature to look at is like a yeah. just deeply, deeply fucked up. It's yeah. bizarre. And these are all like, it's they're creatures from this like web series called Satellite City uh, that this animator. I did not know that. Yeah. So the, the guy he calls, there's a scene where he has like a phone call with this guy who sounds like Jack Sparrow on Benzo's. Um, and he he had this like web series or he's because he's an animator or whatever uh, with all of these characters and I guess you're supposed to have seen that and know who the fuck any of these monsters are <laughs> they all look like they all look like you know uh, Tim Burton hot topic yeah that's what uh, I was gonna rejects. say is they're they're Allison they're Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland creatures all of yeah them. exactly yeah they look bad I don't like them <laughs> they look like they look like if you like you're like scrolling through like the steam workshop for like Gary's mod and you see like a creature and you're like, Oh, what is this? And you click on the description and it turns out it's like a sex fetish thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's what they all, they all look like, like 
like the dreams of like somebody who fell asleep reading DeviantArt like blog posts. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I want to I want to go on like some like uh teenager in Peru's Gary's Mod server that he and his friends are on and spawn like a thousand of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the thing about them though is yeah. that the CGI is like good. It's fucked up. Yeah, like the, yeah. the fur like moves and shit. Yeah. No, it is really impressive looking and Cameron, you haven't had the experience of seeing Doug's special effects, <laughs> like the the 3D animation um, and 2D animation. It's mostly either just like MS Paint drawings that he hand animated, um, or the 3D animation in like stuff like To Boldly Flee. It, it's so janky and ugly. It looks like you know someone who just graduated like their first 3D modeling course. I remember um, the To Boldly Flee. They, <laughs> The story behind that was is that they wanted to get their 2D animator to also do the 3D animation stuff. And uh, he was just like, I don't know how to do 3D <laughs> animation. That's a different skill yeah. set. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Yeah, but yeah, that's like going up to a painter and being like, hey, man, paint me a sculpture really quick. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's a child's brain. <laughs> yeah. It's like uh, just going up to like a guitarist and just saying like, hey, man, can you play this like Mozart symphony for me real quick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's a, I mean, you can just see there's like there's just two neurons in his brain and just a straight line is being drawn between of like this guy makes one thing. He makes other thing. And it's just that's like that's how that's how Doug thought of that. Like, it's yeah. so such an obvious yeah. thought process. And so what they did for the 3D animation and I remember being on Twitter when this happened is that they held a competition for 3d animators like be the 3d animator for to boldly flee uh and if you win this competition and then like people on the site had to remind him it's like reminder though like the person who wins the competition you still have to pay them you still have to give them money for their work yeah i wonder if uh, he did Uh, the same thing for the animator in the wall that he did for the animator on to boldly flee which is email his friend to like behind his back to ask if he was half-assing all the stuff he was submitting <laughs> yeah that's another thing that uh that happened it happened with the 2d animator um in uh in uh what is it to boldly flee he was like working overtime animating all the stuff and one of the shots was like of rubble going everywhere and so he emailed he emailed the uh he sent the uh, finished product to Doug, and Doug responded with "brilliant, brilliant, 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 brilliant." <laughs> and then Doug immediately sent the video to another person on the website and saying, "Hey, does this look half-assed to you?" <laughs> oh. The the other person just immediately sent an email to the two D animators, like, "Dude, what the fuck is going on behind your back?" <laughs> it's God. Oh God. But the, the yeah, the three D animation here, it's so jarring to see like good special effects in a Doug production. It doesn't feel right. I I, I have I don't even I haven't even watched any other Doug stuff. It doesn't feel right to see anything that looks like that like on YouTube in general. Like it's like <laughs> Yeah. It's too good for that format. Yeah. It uh it, yeah it, it is it is really really high production values for what it is and uh it's all used in service of these <laughs> these horrible creatures that look like dragon dildos just uh singing in horrible accents uh about the wall being pretentious it uh my notes for this section are mostly just like a series of question marks uh <laughs> And, uh, oh, also something amazing about the second half. Uh, there's a big like tirade about how social media is bad and how social media like makes it so you can criticize anyone without having to deal with the consequences. And for, uh, Doug auteurists like Esther and I, it made us, it made me think, is this about change the channel? Yes. Like, (laughs) yeah. Is this about the, uh, the controversy, the social media controversy in the Max Exodus? Is this his like reaction to that? Um, I mean, only somebody who knows he is only somebody who's done something very wrong on the Internet would complain about being able to anonymously yell at people on the Internet <laughs> is the thing yeah. like you. Yeah, you have to you you you, you pro- if you if you're complaining about that, people probably yelled at you on the Internet, which probably means you did something fucked up. Like, that's yeah. just how it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, we we all get yelled at anonymously on the internet if you have like a public profile, but like turning it into like a big public tirade, especially like a musical tirade, <laughs> that is the most like I did some demon shit red flag. That you can yeah, absolutely. and it's bizarre because it just takes over not just the review, but like Corey Taylor disappears from this for like fifteen <laughs> yeah. minutes for this segment yeah. where where Doug is the dictator, uh, talking about how you know people love to do hashtags on Twitter and they do like the Nazi salute, but it's supposed to be a hashtag. Yeah. See, this yeah. is, this is what pissed me off too so much about like, you know, the, the segment at the end of the school part where he's like, Oh, is it, we're comparing it to world war two. Okay. And then there's like a part at the beginning of this, of this social media sequence where he like says in like a snarky voice, like, Oh, this is supposed to critique the Thatcher like administration. It's like, what, obviously you know what this is supposed to be why are you saying like it's he why are you acting like it's pretentious and vague and then also turning this thing about fascism into social media but you're gonna like make fun of them for talking about school and world war ii (laughs) together like yeah specifically specifically going to the british schooling system in the 1950s yeah. where it was just like just like uh your recess was getting shot with yeah, a gun like, like, like <laughs> yeah like making making fun of like oh they made they made school look like a concentration camp and then turning turning the the nazi salute into a hashtag arm motion is like so so horrible so misguided and and evil yeah it's so so much worse than even the most like angsty shit in yeah. the wall. It is so much more woe is me than anything Doug does in this. Um, and it's so self indulgent. And I gotta say also in terms of like Doug reacting to the horrible things he's done, this is phoning it in. Demo reel was this cell was this like him just like getting all of his demons out and him just like. <laughs> just this it, 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 you really I, I can't i don't recommend watching it since cameron you're not familiar with the doug story but his passion project turned out to be this like borderline confessional about how much he regrets having done the nostalgic critic and <laughs> how he hurt a bunch of people <laughs> it's one of the most like self-hating things i've ever seen it's like his i don't know like death proof or the house that jack built or something and then he and when he uh when he has to do that again he phones it in completely here it's a uh, it's how the mighty has fallen uh and uh yeah and then uh it ends with uh him talking to Corey taylor and the two of them's like well what do you think of the movie and they both agree that the movie is quote and i hate how this is their quote because this is kind of what i think of the movie it's a little full of itself but good music and imagination is what they say yeah Yeah. i I was very mad that i agreed with that too yeah me too (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) i remember just seeing that i'm like that is that is accurate that is basically (laughs) that is uh basically what the movie is to me um fuck (laughs) and uh yeah he and then he um he and Corey Taylor are just like, well, we got to wrap this up by playing one of your hit songs. And then they play the SpongeBob theme. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> this pissed me off so fucking much as a Slipknot fan made me so mad. Like, how are you going to get Corey Taylor in your video? Make him stand and sit silently for, I mean, I'm, and I'm sure they, they did so many takes of those shots. Um, like, and then at the yeah. end, you don't even make him scream or anything. He doesn't play guitar yeah. in the band. He's a singer. Like, why are you making him play guitar and sing the SpongeBob theme song? What is that? It just <laughs> at least at least have him like scream the last word of the song. That would be cool. That would make it cool, right? Like, ugh. Yeah. It just I was like yeah, vibrating a- with rage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's kind of like it's kind of like if you got I don't know fucking. Uh, go back to that comparison it's like if you got david byrne to be in your your uh youtube video and then at the end you had him sing the barney the dinosaur thing. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like uh, uh I, and something else i realized about Corey taylor being in this um is that i don't know when they shot this but it was released about a month after slipknot's album we are not your kind came out which was their first album in like five years um so i think that i mean i don't know how far in advance they shot it but i think that there's a, a fair chance that maybe Corey's manager was like you should probably do this for the press cycle 
That album, oh, the is, album. That album is prominent and visible on screen in the opening. Yeah, of this yeah. So They're holding think, like several copies of I it. I think you're probably right. I think it was meant as like promo for the album, which is like, yeah. I mean, that shows you what kind of what kind of guy Corey is, and what you know, what probably kind of agent he has. <laughs> Esther, what would you what would you think if Laura Jane Grace or someone showed up in a dog reveal? Well, what would what would your reaction to that be? I mean, confusion for sure. I wouldn't know. I would want to know why. I would want to know, <laughs> you know, to what end. What what benefit are you getting from this? Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, I think I'm imagining this came out. I think like right before Mark Hollis died. So I'm imagining like an alternate world where Mark Hollis from Talk Talk his last his last public appearance is in the Doug review. <laughs> that's like that's like several notches below Lauren Bacall's last appearance being in Family Guy, um, or Roy Scheider's last appearance being in Family Guy. <laughs> Oh, that's horrible. Do we have anything else to say about the freak out second half with the hashtags and the CGI sex creatures? I mean, um, I got to say on the scale of like Doug's more pathological productions, it is definitely below demo reel. Like I know this is like for a lot of people, the big Doug thing, especially recently. Yeah. Um, But like it is much less, uh, uh, psychologically like uh uh you know big i guess than like certainly than mm. than demo reel or even to boldly flee it is much more just bizarre I, I this stuff with the stupid uh with the tim burton monsters was just i i just don't even know what to say about it it is doug it, it feels like doug selling out in a way to be like mm-hmm. you know because those videos got like a million views i went and looked him up and it feels like doug saying oh let's get this like viral video guy to come make animations for our movie and we'll it's uh, i don't know it felt a little dirty to me of all the things we've watched it felt like (laughs) doug finally he had no artistic integrity left (laughs) yeah that yeah no commitment to his ethos what what i think what stands out to me about this yeah i i kind of i mean not having not seen other doug stuff i think i i do agree with this seems to be completely devoid of any kind of like artistic statement or anything especially knowing the background of like this comes after a big a big shake up in you know channel awesome and and whatnot i think this is seems like pretty nakedly an attention grab especially you know in the age of like 2019 a big video like this is like it's clickbait bait you know for like oh this youtube channel came together with this big music artist and this composer and and this this 3d animator and they made something you're not gonna believe you know this is this feels like it's yeah it's a nothing but spectacle there's not i mean it doesn't even to even the even even the fact that at the end of this review they go oh yeah the movie is fine when the entire review is dedicated to shitting on the movie is like is this is cl- this is just they just wanted to get people's attention I think is what this really feels like to me yeah yeah uh, I do like how at the end when they're all celebrating they say we're not topping this it, uh, <laughs> it, it, yeah uh, specifically they say that after they play the SpongeBob theme <laughs> with Corey Taylor. <laughs> it's so awesome i love it so fucking much uh but uh yeah i i do think that this is kind of a disappointment though for for doug it uh it it feels like the it feels like the sellout like the store brand version of him it feels the passion is gone and even though this is like an insane uh this is a very ambitious and a very like well or i don't want to say well crafted but like crafted with effort it's got none of the insane spark of uh, like his r- really early stuff where like the filmmaking was unwatchable. Um, so I do think that uh, this does. Yeah, I do think this does feel like manufactured to get a reaction in a way that to boldly flee and demo reel will always be more interesting to look at because those were like authentic passion projects basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, Yeah. Uh, do, do we have anything else to add, or should we just call it here? This is, uh, by the way, this is the last. Uh, this isn't the last episode of Get Cynical. We have one more planned after this, but this is the last uh, Doug-centric main episode of Get Cynical, 
any other Doug centric episodes will probably be Patreon exclusive. Yeah, it's it feels weird. Yeah, this is sort of a weird way to end it, I guess. Um, in terms of the narrative of, I mean, you know, he's still making videos. He could he could one day make something that is uh, just as insane and stupid and revealing about his psychology <laughs> as Demo Real again. I have, I, I bet he has it in him. Um, but yeah, like, uh, it's very obvious why this blew up and why this sort of returned attention to him. It's also, like you say, it feels, uh, you know, kind of provocative in an empty way. It feels like he... It feels engineered and it feels inauthentic, um, which is fucking weird to say about the nostalgia critic, but it's true (laughs) compared to the stuff he, we talked about before this, this feels just phony in a way. Um, yeah. Even his, uh, uncanny Valley segment, which we called like a for hire gig, basically that still feels like it's got more of his weird creative spark in it than this. Yeah, Totally. Just one more thing. You can notice that his beard in this is starting to seriously gray. Um, <laughs> and just a, time comes for us all. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think that's going to do it. Um, Cameron, thank you so much. I'm sorry that I... <laughs> the second horrible thing in a row. <laughs> and it was right after. Like, as soon as the Nutshack episode was over, I was like, hey, man, um... Would you like to watch the Nostalgia Critic? <laughs> hey, man, I'll do it forever. Thank you for having me. I had a good time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, joining us here. Thank you for uh, uh, going through the gauntlet. Um, and uh, it's great having you on. Um, folks, uh, look forward to the Get Cynical finale, um, probably two weeks from now, uh, where we talk about Atop the Fourth Wall, the movie, Linkara's movie. That's our final uh, episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of an epilogue, if anything. Yeah. But I think that's going to do it. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Later. Peace out. <laughs>